Hey, Metalheads and Headbangers, this is Doro Passion. You're listening to the Focus on Metal show. I wish you a great time. Keep on rocking. Stay metal and I'll see you soon. Metalhead Scott here and Richie. Welcome you to yet another edition of Focus on Metal. How are we doing, man? I'm great. You? Ugh. Besides the fact that I almost just choked, I'm fine. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> what don't vomit. Don't vomit. No, no, none of that. I can't do that. No, no, no vomiting in the studio anymore. Anyways, uh, I don't know. You, you have been uh, a busy guy. Very. And uh, you know, this week, a uh, great guest. The one and only Tommy Bowen from Warlock. I don't know how you pulled this one off, but uh, well, great, great talk. I'll with tell this you guy. the story. Um, I was supposed to interview Doro at the uh, at the show on the Palladium, mm-hmm. and we we interviewed her last year in person, and it was all hooked up. Yeah, and um, you know something happened. My daughter she got diagnosed with um, you know junior arthritis, mm. and you know so I, of course I couldn't just say oh I, I'm off to interview <laughs> Doro as much as I would have liked to. Yeah, and um, so I thought it was dead in the water. Yeah, I figured you know. I, I asked for a phoner, yeah. and she wasn't doing any more interviews. And then I was offered Tommy. Yeah. And, of course, I had no idea Tommy was actually on the tour mm-hmm. because I, as far as I, I knew, he was, he'd been out of the band since, sure. like, 88 or whatever <laughs> it was. And I, I emailed the publicist back, and I said, is that the Tommy Bolin that played on the album in, yeah. in 87? He's actually playing shows with Doro in the U.S., and she came back and said, yes, it is. And yes, he is. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I'd love to talk to Tommy to get, you know, yeah. a different perspective on the record. As opposed to being the Tommy Bowen from like Deep Purple. That'd well, be, I did. I, that'd you be know, really awkward because he's was, dead. <laughs> that was one of the things I was, I was going to ask Tommy and I didn't. Was, has anyone ever asked you? you know, uh, I'm I, sure. I'm sure they have. <laughs> um, so I didn't, know what, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, the PR person said he was awesome to talk to and he was. Oh, he was. Definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. Yeah. And um, because I didn't know how much involved he was in the record. Mm. I thought, was he a guy brought in the yeah. end to maybe just here, just play some lead guitar on it. And then right. the band folded yeah. not long after. And I'm thinking, mm, how much is this guy actually going to remember about right. recording the album? But he had a lot of, a lot of good memories. He did, and, yeah. and uh, he was a funny guy. Um, and he's actually called me again. Yeah. since just yeah. to shoot the shit and I'm like because he called me and I looked at my phone and I'm like what the fucking hell is Tommy Bowling calling me and he was like oh, I, and then I was able to ask him about the show at the whiskey and how that went oh dude it was it was, it was packed to the teeth I, I don't know if you saw any of the photos uh, it was damn near sold out if not sold out to be dead honest I mean there's some shots we did with the crowd after it was just literally to the teeth packed it was just outstanding dude they were, they were yeah, it was, I mean, the buzz on Triumph and Agony here has been just you know, through the roof, and everywhere we go, people, you know, like I said, finding out what that album meant to so many people just, you know, flipped me out. You know, I mean, I mean, I felt great about it, and just hearing it's like, wow. And then seeing the crowd, and then the chemistry of me and Doro is if, as if we didn't miss a beat. We always remain friends and just, you know, just like stepping right into it. Musicians don't normally call me. Yeah. We call them. Yeah. And there's a certain process there, but yeah, Tommy was... uh Tommy was awesome. Yeah. So, like, what, what do you think of that album? Do you think that's Doro's best record? As far as Warlock goes, yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, I was thinking about it the other day, right? And, you know, they start off, right, Burning the Witches, 
And the only song people really know off Burning the Witches is Burning the Witches, right? So then, then from Hellbound, people know Hellbound and Earthshaker Rock. Those are probably the two big ones off of Hellbound, right? Then True with Steel, it's pretty much the title. is about the only one that people really, you know, as far as just not, not like super fans, but just, you know, the average people, that's what they know. And then you come to Triumph and Agony. And right off the bat, right? All We Are, which is still like one of her ultimate classics. Well, that had the big budget video. Right, that um, opened it. Yeah. It ended with For Immer, which is like her big longtime fan favorite ballad, right? Yeah. I mean, that kind of competes with Love Me in Black, but pretty much if you're like the the big fan, and of course Love Me in Black is the, the Dora, but not the Warlock, right? But see, so first song, second song, uh, last song, they're classics in and of themselves, right? All to this day. Then you've still got Rule the Ruins, yeah, they played right. that live when we saw them last yeah. year, and I nearly lost my shit. East meets West, Touch of Evil, Metal Tango. Like, Metal Tango I never liked. It's like, it was, uh, but there's still, I mean, there's so many classics oh, yeah. off of that album, yeah. right? And it also kind of sets up, like, overall, that to this day, that this kind of artwork is pretty much what she still has. Like, the last couple albums, it's still this kind of artwork, too. That cover is amazing. You know? One of the things I wanted to ask Doro was who has it. Yeah. And I, I didn't get a chance to ask her. I will the next time. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I will say, and I know they went from the, the name to Doro's as a solo artist. Yeah. That kind of gave the wrong message on the album cover when it was just her. Because mm -hmm. a lot of the musicians that played on it were new. Yeah. They were American musicians. They were brought in for various reasons. And yeah. she might have wanted to keep the name, but it... Back then, it was she was getting all the attention. She was a female metal singer. Mm -hmm. um, she's on the cover on her own on this, yeah. and it, it didn't feel like a band, really. Yeah, I mean, even really, she's on the cover on the back alone too. <laughs> yeah, it's only on the inside that uh, they've got a picture of the, of the the guys that are actually on the. Yeah, record. but then again, if you're the record company guy, you're like, okay. How, how are we going to sell this how are you teenage sell boys? You've Doro, right? She's good looking. She's female. Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So that's what that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It was all the, all the marketing. Yeah, but, um, but it's a great cover. That's fantastic. Yeah, but it really sets up to how she continues to do a lot of. Yeah, there's some like again, like Love Me in Black is more just a picture and stuff. But all the ones she's done recently, they're all like that same kind of a cover too. It's like that classic. Yeah, when you think of a Doro cover. That's what you think of. Yeah, but the, the, the newer ones probably aren't paintings. They're probably done on a computer. Oh, like, sure, that's, yeah. That, that, that to me was like, holy shit. I, that had, if I was in a store and I'm a metalhead and I saw that cover, yeah. you'd, you'd, buy it with, you'd buy it just off the cover yeah. because it looks amazing. Yeah. And the other thing, I, I don't know whether anyone has it on vinyl, um, there was a gatefold. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of money put into the, yeah. put into the packaging. It was like a gatefold sleeve for a single record. Yeah. But not a lot of bands did that back and, then. And it's even, you know, sonically too, it changes too. So it isn't quite, it, it's not like, you know, Whitesnake 87, but it's still like a song, like a sonically it still holds up. I mean, it comes out in 87, but it isn't that classic 87 big washy, chorusy kind of a thing. But, but it, sonically it holds up. Yeah. Do you have the reissue that came out about four or five years ago with the bonus tracks? Um, I, I'm, I, if you have it, I'm one? taking it off you. <laughs> I don't think it is this one. No, it isn't this one. Because this is the other one they've just put out too. Okay. So Which is no, like, all, which is like everything. But yeah, no, this doesn't I think, have I think it, it has, uh, 
it's got the album on it. I think it came out in like 2011, has the record. And then there's four bonus tracks on it. Mm. And I asked Tommy in the interview, was there anything left over? Yeah. And he didn't think there was. And I was, I was trying to figure out if you had the reissue, what, what sessions the, the bonus tracks came Yeah, no, up. this one's an original one. I mean, even the cover's broken. So. Yeah, yeah, I've got the original <laughs> as well. And I've yeah. got the vinyl. So, yeah, Tommy was great to talk to. Yeah, and I was, like I said, I was astonished that he, he called you back. And yeah, he gave amazed. you a you know, great story about, about uh, you know, some recording and bleeding in the studio. And yeah. I, like, wow, but yeah, great, just great interview. Yeah, yeah, he was a lot, he was a lot of fun. And uh, they were just on the way out the door to mm. fly to uh, L.A. for the last show of the tour. Yeah. And he seems to be in good spirits, you know, himself and Doro. They never had a falling out, which is great. Yeah. And I think what's great about Doro now is... Um, She's got the band that she's had for a long time, yeah. and yet she still wanted to bring Tommy up on stage yeah. to celebrate the record. Yeah, and I mean, her band that she's got is a shit-hot band, too. God, I mean, superb. they are just really, really tight. The nicest guys. Oh, yeah. The nicest. Yeah. Like, Johnny D is, you know, he's been really good to us, and, yeah. um, you know, he's a fabulous road manager, and he's been with Dora for, what, 20 years or something? Yeah. And you've got Nick, who's been with the band for 25 years, and... You know, it's great to see that, you know, Doro still wants to get out there writing new music. She still puts on a fantastic show. Mm-hmm. Um, I was bummed I couldn't, yeah. you know, yeah. we couldn't see her this time. But, you know, she is doing dates in the U.S., which is nice. Right. She mightn't have done a lot a lot on this tour. Yeah. But um, she does seem to be playing here every year yeah, now. But she did is, a lot. And I think it was funny, too, that remember last time we, we saw him, we talked to Johnny. And he's the road manager, too. Yeah. And we we're asking about why he picked the venue that they were at. And he was like, well, I don't really know which other venues there are in the area. And that's when we started talking about, you know, Ralph's and the Palladium. We gave him a bunch of venues. And he comes back and plays a Palladium. So it's like, Johnny Yoas, buddy. Yeah, and, and they were upstairs in the sweat box. <laughs> oh, I know, the sweat box. <laughs> yeah. The classic Palladium sweat box. Yeah, it's a bit of a dump. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> At least the bands come, and if they come, we'll go and see them. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, it's horrible upstairs. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. But no, great job. I, I thought it was also, you know, I got to I got to commend you because he was, you know, t- he kind of did a lot of uh, uh, talking about different like guitar technique and all that stuff. And um, I'm just, lost. He just kind of went oh. right along with it. So oh, it was I good. Have to, I have to. He doesn't know I don't play. Yeah. Unless I tell him up front. And yeah. I don't. Yeah. So if he wants to go where he wants to go, you know, that, that there's people out there want to hear it. I'm not just going to. Yeah. I'm not, it's not just me. Yeah. Because even like when he called back and he was talking about the Bradshaw rack, and I'd be like, oh, boy, I would have been all over that. Cause- I know. <laughs> Every time any of these guys go off on guitar, I'm thinking, I'm the wrong guy <laughs> on the phone. Yeah, well, that was, I mean, he's right. That time period, 87, you know, Bob Bradshaw was building these big refrigerator-sized racks, you know, and everybody who was anybody had these things, and they were all MIDI-controlled, and uh, I can remember, you know, guitar players I was playing with, you know, Mark was assembling one and, and uh, you know, put a lot of money into it. Of course, a, Bra- a Bradshaw one is kind of like the Cadillac of it. You know, they were just like the ultimate kind of a rack. And, uh, yeah, just it's amazing the, the stuff that they used to have. And now, like, this box is sitting in front of you, like, packs like all that into that one little box, basically. Well, so Technology. For a lot less. But, yeah, good job. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I think we should... Uh, Play a little tunage and, and get right into uh, Tommy Bolin. As we celebrate 30 years of Warlock's triumph and agony. Mm-hmm. Are we all? Are we all? Are we all? Are we all? All we need. Are we all? Are we all? Are we all? 
Hello, is that Tommy? Yeah, this is Tommy. Hi, Tommy. It's uh, Richie from Focus on Metal calling for the interview. Hey, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. So, what what part of the states are you in now? I'm in uh, Chicago. Okay, you got what? A couple of dates to go? Uh, yeah, actually, we uh, we've done Massachusetts, uh, New York, and then we did uh, Detroit, Chicago last night, and then we have uh, the whiskey uh, Los Angeles uh, tomorrow. Excellent. I, I was supposed to actually go to the show last Friday night and. Uh, Meet Doro and all you guys. Uh, something happened with my daughter and I couldn't go, so I'm pretty bummed. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, well, she, yeah, she's okay, but uh, yeah. Okay, good to hear. Yeah, so I. Hey, I detect an accent. Where, where are you from? I hear your accent. Yeah, I'm Irish. Oh, cool. My family's from County Cork. Oh, nice. Very nice. Have you been there? I uh, have not, but I still have relatives there because I'm half Irish, half Italian. And my dad's from from County Cork. My grandmother came over from there, and uh, with my grandfather, and started the whole uh, whole thing going here. Excellent. <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, I'm living here seven years now. I'm just outside of Boston. Oh, cool, man. Very cool. Yeah, my cousins are in Lynn. My cousins are all in Lynn, Massachusetts. Oh, no, yeah, that's not I, too far from my here. Dad was, my dad was born in Peabody, Massachusetts. Oh, Peabody, yeah. I know Peabody. Yeah. Oh, very cool, man. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> so you know, the, you, know, you, know, you know of certain parts of Ireland, you know certain parts around where I'm <clears> living now. I try to stay informed, see who's what, where, and all that. <laughs> yeah, so can we get right into it, Tommy? Yeah, ju- jump right in, buddy. Got all set. Yeah. So, so Tommy, I want to go all the way back to uh, just before the Triumph and Ag- Agony album, which is 30 years old, actually, this month. Right. Um, what band were you in just before you joined Warlock? I was, in a, I was in a band called Armed Forces, which had an EP called Let That Be Metal on Important Records, which is distributed by Important. And that was really cool. We got a lot of attention on it, but the band never... Uh, the band had been around already, but uh, that version, the most popular version, actually never even got to tour. The band just, you know, just couldn't we just couldn't connect all the dots quick enough. You know, the industry was crazy. And the next thing you know, I was in uh, Warlock, but uh, that was my main band. Then after that, I was in a band called Venus. That was, I guess, it was from Armed Forces. To yeah. Right up to the point of uh, Warlock, because the, the singer uh, had gotten Joey Ballin to start producing our demo, and that's how I met Joey Ballin. And me hit it off, and Joey Doug Warlock was a band called Venus. And my singer, Willie, had gotten, uh, was friends with Joey Ballin, and Joey Ballin started to produce our demo. And then me and Joey hit it off, he became a real fan of my playing, and Doug, what I was doing. And then, as you know, of course, he started working with Doro. Then I just came out and jam, and literally, you know, we get on, you know, East, East, West, Three Minute Warning, and Make Time for Love. And like three days later, I was asked to join the band. And the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, I was going to ask you how you actually found out about Warlock. Did you did you know of the band at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. I knew of uh, I knew of Warlock. I knew of Doro, of course. You know, I'm not you know fully up to what was on what was out there. And uh, literally, uh, my singer called me up one day and said, "Hey, uh, Joey, I want you to call him at one thirty tonight." I go one thirty in the because he had Joey. You know, Joey was you know established dude. You know, he worked with bands. You know, real total professional type of guy. Like you know, Joey Balance is called one thirty. You're calling Joey Balance at one thirty in the morning. So the next thing I know, I call up. He says, "Hey Tommy, how you doing?" You know, he's got a, a heavy Italian accent, so I'm doing his accent. He goes, "Hey Tommy, how you doing? Hey, I'm working with Dora. I want you to come down to the studio and bring all your equipment. I want you to jam." Now, I thought after I worked in a music store, I was I could you know collect. I put all my money into my equipment. He goes, "Yeah, bring everything." I go, "You want me to bring all twenty guitars and this that?" Go bring everything, man. I'll pay for you. Just bring it all down. I'm like, okay. So I had like six Marshall stacks. I bought down the whole nine yards. I guess, you know, just showing my commitment to my craft, I guess, was appealing. And the next thing I know, you know, I, I, he says as he's about to hang up, he goes, hey, Tommy, this could be good for you, really good for you. Now, when he said that, 
that's like, you know, Jesus saying, hey, take time to pray, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I I broke out the Rockman and played for like another, you know, three hours and then went down there and just, and basically the songs, Make Time for Love, Three Minute Warning, East and East West, about like 85% of what I improvised on my first takes, because Joey would say, hey, give me, give me some over here, you know, give me a fill here or this, that, night. And if you notice that album, a lot of it is I'm answering her voice back and forth. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the chemistry me and Doro have. Like if you listen to East West, my guitar is answering and I roll the runes, I'm answering like words she says and stuff. And the chemistry was immediate. And the next thing you know, Doro goes, hey, do you want to play an album? I said, yeah. And then next thing you know, boom, you know, Joey, you know, we're in the hallway at the studio. He goes, hey, dude, you're doing great. You're going to Germany. You're doing the record. This is great. Next day, he calls me. He goes, dude, they love it. They just set the stuff to the president of uh, Phonogram. He loves it. This, that. Calls me up next day. says, it made me proud, dude. This is great. Calls me the third day. He goes, Tommy, come into Manhattan. Get fully dressed. Come on in. You know, fully, you know, put on the whole, you know, tease the hair up, leathers and all that shit. You know, just, you know, dress it up and shit. Just, you know, looking good. Yeah. And next thing you know, I walk in and I'm sitting down with Doro, the manager, in this big office up on like the 88th floor of some skyscraper. And they go, hey, we want you to join the band. I'm like, holy shit. That's, you know, I, I wasn't expecting that. And then, I mean, then next, then, then from there, it was just a whirlwind. And, and then we dove right into doing, uh, Triumph and Agony and, you know, started working on some of the stuff, you know, and getting, getting it all together with great now, chemistry. Now, the audition, uh, one of the things I always thought with auditions was they give you a list of songs from the band's catalog. You play them to see if you can play them. And then they either offer you the gig or they don't offer you the gig. But what I'm finding since I started doing the show is a lot of the auditions just involve jamming to see whether you have any chemistry. Yeah, the vibe. The biggest thing, especially with Doral, Doral's all about the vibe. Doral's the real deal. If she, if she vibes with you and feels your energy and you're real to what you're doing, she'll connect with you. I mean, she can spot a phony a mile away, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, this was this was not like come on down and learn these songs. This wasn't a cattle call audition or a or a cold call audition where you know I've been to those. You know, you hey, you learn this song, learn that. They either dig what you're doing or they don't. They either get you or they don't. Because you know, and this one was just simply uh, really like a chemistry experiment. It just went great. You know, I mean, Joey Joey already knew I could play. He liked the way I played. He was already and he knew I'm, I'm very easy to work with with him. And then the matter of it was just a matter of me and Doro hitting it off, which of course we did. And then, then I, I was literally creating the album with her at that moment. Stuff that would later be all the, you know, the hooks and tattoos of the record around her voice. And then, so, you know, once we saw the spontaneous combustion of that, she just, you know, I guess, you know, talked with management and all that. And I was offered the gigs flat out because I, I could, you know, I could definitely play all the songs. Yeah. You know, so definitely it was already there. And, you know, I had, you know, I, had, I, I was committed to my guitar. I had the equipment. I had this, that. I wasn't just, you know, a Monday morning quarterback doing it on weekends. This was all I did. I was even a music teacher. I was a guitar teacher up to that last minute. I taught guitar for five years at a music studio in Jackson Heights. Okay. Yeah. Now, so, I, mean, I was always playing guitar. Always playing guitar. Okay. Now, were the songs more or less done by the time you got the got the job? You know, some songs were already done. Some songs had been demoed. Some songs were created, like, you know, and the, the meat was added on, you know, like, like you know, like, Touch of Evil, that actual intro it's actually my old high school band intro I used to do with my, my uh, band I played in high school called Legacy. And uh, I used to do that intro on like, my part. And people hit some parts here and there, the metal tango, melody. So, you know, but some of the parts were already pretty much created. The writing was already kind of already there or skeletonized, I should say. And I just came in and all the meat that they asked to add, you know, and then just put vibe all over it. And Doral, you know, would start, you know, getting her vibe with the melodies and, 
so yeah, a lot of it was already in motion, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. So who was it? Who was actually in the band when when you got the gig? Was it the band that played on when the I, album? When I joined, yeah, when I joined the band, you know, there was uh, you know, Michael was the drummer and uh, Nico was the uh, the rhythm guitar player, and uh, and then um, you know, um, actually uh, Hendrickson wasn't even in the band then. It was another bass player who actually played on it, you know, which actually I just came out. But uh, yeah, so then the, then she had some guest musicians play on, you know, Cozy Powell play on the record and some other drummers. But I did all the, all the lead guitars, all me, all that stuff. So I and my guitar is pretty much, you know, which I guess is you know known now is you know was pretty much featured pretty dominant in the mix, you know. So so pretty much you know a lot of the nights, a lot of nights spent as Dora was said in interviews recently, you know, as you know more people are talking about Triumph and Agony, you know, it was, it was actually me, her, and Joey in the studio. A lot of nights, late at night, putting this stuff together. You know, once the drum tracks are done, the drums are done. Once the bass tracks are done, the bass player was gone. And we were just, you know, always putting all the, the ear candy and the, the textures and, you know, hey, do some stuff here, do this. So a lot of it, you know, that was the, that was like, you know, the chemistry. I mean, Joey and Doral worked very, uh, close together and I worked very close with them. You know, there was everything I did, you know, I was like a mirror to Doral. You know, anything, you know, I would pick up her vibe, what she wanted. Like, like even like, uh, uh, you know, what's that song? One touch because the devil's breeze. You hear him in that fifth, uh, uh, I roll the rooms. You hear my guitar go something the devil answering mm-hmm. here, you know? Well, that could be East East West. I could be recording. I am a bit tired right now. <laughs> <laughs> Although I sound wired on call. Actually, we're, we're, we're catching, uh, we're catching a flight here. In, uh, what time? I don't even know what time it is right now. Like, and about noon, we check out. But you got packing all my shit because everything you, know, you try to get it all nice for the luggage you know is the airline and stuff I guess it's not part of the interview <laughs> <laughs> no no you know, yeah, yeah, Tommy Bowen's luggage habits yeah that's what the <laughs> <laughs> what does he put in his fucking luggage <laughs> yeah. so did you get to meet Cozy Powell at all during the session yes I did yes yes oh absolutely fuck yeah oh, he he came down uh, to uh, the studio and uh, he was really um, the nicest guy in the world and just an absolute machine professional I mean just just laid into the track and just, you know, because our manager uh, back at the time used to manage Emma Flink and Powell. That's how we knew him. But we didn't know he was him coming. Actually, you know, there's Cozy Powell. And of course, you know, Rainbow and, you know, who the hell, you know, she'd been living under a rock. Who doesn't know Cozy Powell is? And he was super cool and super complimentary. And he even he even sat there and uh, and uh, said, uh, you know, when he saw some big executives in Polygram show up to our recording session, he turned to me and goes, now I'm impressed. When he saw like the number two guy in the world just flying to New York just to watch the recording, wow, yeah. So he was, and then, and here's a true story. We later were on tour in England, and we took a night off, went to the Marquee, and that band Bow Wow was playing. Yeah, yeah, the, the and, Japanese uh, band, yeah. Right with Neil Murray. Yeah, with Neil Murray, which of course Cody knew. And I, I, I swear to God, this is, this is a true story. Uh, suddenly we're backstage and we hang out, and then Neil Murray turns around, and goes, "Which one of you is Tommy Bowling?" I go. Uh, me, I'm like, shit, do I look kind of funny? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it freaked me out, and all of a sudden, I'm with the whole band, he goes, well, they, yeah, I hear great things about you from Cozy Powell, Cozy Powell says you're great, and I'm like, I, I just, my jaw hit the ground, I'm like, what? And the band's looking at me like, what, did you pay this guy to say this? I'm like, wow, thanks, man, that's awesome, and then, you know, it freaked me out that Cozy had been talking, you know, about me, and I, I spoke to him one time after Warlock, briefly. You know, which is, of course, it's a tragedy that he passed away so young, you know. But I did speak with him and, uh, and even Don Airy, and I mean, Don Airy knew him too, and this is a long time back, you know. I mean, I've told you guys you know, a while, but, but, uh, yeah, but I remember when Neil Murray said, I, I knew he, I like, holy shit. <laughs> it was a nice feeling, you know, I mean, cause, you know, 
it was, you know, I obviously, you know, he must, Cozy must have liked the record. Or yeah. liked when we jammed, you know. So it was, uh, all good vibes. I mean, you know, I mean, really, when you work with Doro, I mean, unless, unless you're really a super dark person, you can't help but feel good to be dead honest. Yeah. But she's just a ball of energy. She's just, I mean, she, you know, she, her love and passion for music and the fans is absolutely the truest thing. That's why people ask, hey, is she real? I go, dude, that's the real deal, man. She's up there. There's, there's no phoning that in. When she gets up there, she is leading the charge and really, you know, being true to herself and her commitment to the craft and just her love of the music and the fan and the support. Like the energy they give her when they, when the crowd goes even more into it, like they've been singing along here with all our songs, like Jerema, the, like, you know, like in Europe, you have all the soccer chants, like they mm-hmm. sing along. Oh, they're yeah. doing that here in America, which, you know, you know, Americans don't do that too often. They're really, people are just getting into the show because, and I'm getting so many messages through my Facebook and all that, but what this album meant to so many people because, because me and Dora have been talking a lot and we've always remained friends, you know, and it's like just, uh, a re-spark of all the chemistry when lightning strikes. And as Dora always called the album, that album is magic, you know, and sometimes, and you know, you don't know it at the time. And when I get these messages from people with this album meant to them, it's, it's very touching because I put a lot of, you know, my heart and blood into that, you know. And uh, Tommy is not kidding when he talks about putting his uh, heart and blood into it. As uh, Richie mentioned earlier about Tommy calling him back a few days after the interview, talking about the whiskey show. But uh, he also talked about literally bleeding in the studio during one of the sessions. So uh, here's Tommy's little uh, anecdote about the recording of I Rule the Ruins. Hey, here's a quick footnote. You mentioned I Rule the Ruins was your favorite song. Yeah. On record. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. A lot of people don't know this. Uh, I bled during the playing of that record, that song. What? Yeah, uh, there is blood on that tape, I guarantee it, because <laughs> uh, what people don't remember, uh, Joey Ballin was friends with a guy named John Sir. You may have heard of John Sir, the builder, the guitar builder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very famous yeah. builder. Yeah, he, he has his own company. John's the nicest guy in the world, super professional, builds amazing guitars. He had a thing back then called what's called a Bradshaw rig, which uh, was a very expensive switching system that Bob Bradshaw, who built him for all the people back then, I didn't have that then. And he had one of these Jose amps that you always heard about Van Halen using, those Jose Aranzo amps. Yes. So we rented his whole thing. We went to his place, had all the sounds pre-programmed. So Joey's like, well, this would be great. You know, we want this sound, there it is. We want this sound, there it is. We want this sound, there it is. Now, I personally had a shitload of Marshall already. You know, I mean, I was I used to work in a music store, so I used to get it for, like, dirt cheap. And I used to just, you know, pile my shit to the ceiling because that's all I used to do is play guitar. So I had a brand-new uh, uh, Jackson guitar then that Warlock had bought me. And uh, so when we're in the studio, and John, who's, like I said, he's a super smart guy, he accidentally plugged the brain of the unit into the brain of the controller. The brain, excuse me, the output of the amp, which is like 3,000 volts, into yeah. the brain of the unit. So he <laughs> blew the fucking thing up in the power station literally during the session. Wow. So what happened was it, 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 it absolutely fucked up the sound of the amp. There was no sustain, none. No sustain at all on the fucking, I mean, I, I'm sitting there playing track after track, and, you know, I play, if you've seen my playing, I play very aggressive, but a lot of vibrato, and yeah. I, I really dig in. I mean, I'm, I'm never phoning it in, but I'm gnashing my teeth, I'm gnashing my teeth, because I'm just losing it, yeah. you know? So, that, so after a while, I mean, at, you know, the power station was like, you know, a lot of money back then. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm looking, going, this thing is not sustained. I played so many takes. I mean, over and over, when you play the same piece over and over and over and over, I, I, I literally, I never, I very rare, my fingers started to bleed on the guitar. Wow. Because I kept trying to make this thing sustain. So, so literally, I bled on that track. So eventually, 
they just said, they, they said this, and, and, and poor John, he's on the phone calling Jose Arando, he's calling Bradshaw, like, what do I do? I fuck what I do? And of course, there's no way to fix it. You've blown circuitry. It's done. Yeah. So within five seconds, they said, look, I got to stack them off. They put them up. I had my sound up in five minutes, and I finished the song with it. And and I don't know if you if you how well you know that lead, but at the end I do that that note going yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. that's me breaking the string. Okay. I finished the song in two of the half that solo was with a broken string. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some back there's some footnotes that nobody knows that I bled during the performance of that song, and at the end of the solo that's my string snapping because I had been beating the hell out of my guitar for like an hour. Because I was doing, you know, track this, okay, do this rhythm. I go, it just isn't working. I mean, the, the opening noise when I first hit my guitar, that's his rack making that modulation sound. Yeah. But but then eventually it just it just kept deteriorating. I go, look, at $250 an hour, whatever we were paying for the studio, I go, this is getting counterproductive when I'm staring at my hands over there. Yeah. You know? Of course, you know, I never say die. I mean, like, do it again. Do it again. I, I just kept going to eventually... I don't know if they even noticed my hands. I mean, Doro might remember. I mean, because Doro knows I always go for the fucking, I always go for it. But, but man, I, I, I mean, I play pretty good. But to, to play so many times over and over, I try to no sustain out of a guitar that is not sustaining. Mm. I've never done that. You try to get a big sound out of a guitar with no sustain. I mean, eventually, you know, you're, you're pressing metal onto metal, onto wood, you know. It's, so, yeah, so there, my thing is definitely started to bleed, and that was blood on the fretboard. Jesus. <laughs> hey, well, try it for agony, man. <laughs> and then, then I played so fucking hard, I broke the string at the very end. That's why I hit it. That lead riff. I managed to keep the guitar in tune because I have a Floyd Rose, and a Floyd Rose is floating. So yeah. if you break a string in a Floyd Rose, your whole guitar goes sharp to the moon. So I'm thinking, oh, fuck, I got I got the solo. I, was, I, got, I had a take I liked. And I had my marshals running. I go, we got to make this fucking thing work. Yeah. And I managed to fucking... I don't know what I did. You know, fucking... Yeah, Tommy... You know, maybe it was all the fucking... Tommy, you must yeah. have been done for the day after that. That's it. Like, you're not playing guitar after that. Well, I, I tell you, I, th I think I kept going. I honestly, oh. I don't recall... I don't recall ever taking a break. I think I just kept... I think there might have been a short break after that. It just started applying, powering through. Well, that could have been towards the end of the day. But, yeah, I mean, definitely anything else I did probably didn't require as much fingertip exercise. Yeah. You know, good luck. I mean, Joey Ballon was always big on, give me a big A chord here. Give me a big power chord here. Give me a big chord here. Yeah. Give me the big chord. That's what he's looking for, the big chord. <laughs> excellent, excellent. You know, but yeah, so there's a footnote for you.
Now, your relationship with Joey Balin, was he very meticulous in your soloing, or was was he kind of a vibe guy and he let you do what you wanted? Um, when he was, Joey was really giving me a lot of freedom. He was time to give me something in the air, milk that note or hit that note or you know, give me some steady or shred that in or give me a give me that big chord right there, you know. So he was, I got along great with him. His direction, which him having, having already worked with him in the studio, he knew yeah, that was probably part of the appeal that we already had. So, and then, you know, and then Doro loving it. So I remember the day after I did the Kiss of Dead Soul, she called me back. And, and, and literally just called me in my apartment in New York and, and just said how much she loved that solo, you know, the poetry of it, this, that, just really confident, which is great to hear, you know, because you always want the, you know, the people you jam with to dig what you're doing. You don't want them, you know, throwing rocks at you and shit, but <laughs> she did. But you know what I'm saying? And, uh, but yeah, the chemistry, yeah, working with Joe was, was very easy to me. Yeah. Back then it was really easy because he was just, he knew, he knew what I could give him and I knew what he wanted, you know, I mean, I, cause, I mean, some sort of using the solo in Fiorem is very straight. Very, you know, but it's melodic and poetic where it fits the song. I mean, I could have just, you know, shredded off pages at 90 miles an hour if I wanted, but, you know, the song didn't call because you got Doral singing this real sensitive, heavy song. And, and that's why I, I later saw her do that with orchestras and it flipped me out here in my solo being done, you know, with orchestras on the metal tango riff too as well. You know, just, it's, it's very cool, you know? I mean, so I, I, I think the chemistry was great all around. Yeah. Now, of course, I want to talk to you about some of the bands you toured that album on. I think you did some shows with Dio, if memory serves. Yes, we uh, toured two months with Dio in Europe, and that was great. Ryan's the nicest guy. You know, he's from upstate New York. I'm from Queens, New York. So we hit it off. He was a Yankee fan. I'm a Yankee fan as well. I might not go over where you're all in Boston if you're in you. But, you know, (laughs) we ought to not put that point in. But, um, no, it was great. And then, you know, we had a great time, and I would later even jam with Ronnie after Warlock. I came... I pretty much was, I came in right up alongside of, uh, Rowan Robinson as the second choice. And of course, you know, Rowan's a fine player. And I remember Jim with Ronnie in Los Angeles and he had his road crew come to Dam to pick up my gear. And, uh, and, and it was down to the wire and he goes, I still don't know Tommy called me back. And I remember him saying, well, Tommy, Rainbow Sabbath and Dio are always Americans and Europeans. I want that international appeal. And he said, you know, because that's why I'm going to go with Rowan. And of course, you know, I mean, I respect him. I mean, here's Ronnie talking to me 45 minutes a clip on the phone. It's down to me and him after 3,000 tapes. And like I said, Rowan's a fine player, you know. And then, uh, the, the interesting part was a week later, my phone started ringing from other bands and managers. I go, well, how'd you get my number? He goes, well, I called Ronnie and said, who's the first guy you didn't take and why? And Ronnie's response was, hands down, Tommy Bowling. Wow. So, yeah, that blew my mind. I remember telling, and, you know, and that, cause you know, you work hard. I mean, I, I guess, I mean, I, I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm full of caffeine. I'm I'm talking here, but you know, I consider myself a pretty humble person. I think you know. I mean, I don't go around being like you know Johnny asshole or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, to get that type of validation, to hear that, and and these are, you know credible people calling me saying Ronnie said this about you. Ronnie said that. And I'm like wow. That's, you know, and you know, obviously those gigs either did or didn't pan out or just network more connections. But you know, that was a you know interesting time. And then another band we toured with was uh, Negative. We toured two months with them in the states and. Sanctuary, that was a great tour, you know, got along great with Dave, still friends with those guys, you know, I mean, Dave Ellison's a great guy, and, you know, Mustaine's always been cool with me, and, uh, then we had, I think, even on some legs of the tour, we had Crocus, Fate's Warning, Lillian Axe, and there was some, some packages with the whole bunch of headlining clubs, and it was great, man, you know, I mean, it was, you know, that's, you know, just a great time, a great time to be out there, you know, tearing it up. 
Yeah, did you have, was it Craig Goldie who was a Dio guitar player at the time? Did you yeah, Goldie was a, he was really a super cool guy. I remember one time we hung out with him a bunch of times. I would see him at the NAMM show. I remember he came backstage one time in Europe and looked at me playing. He goes, hey, do you ever slow down? <laughs> I, I tend to play fast, I guess, or when my when my adrenaline peaks, you know, it just it just it just naturally what we Yeah, player, you know, and and uh, yeah, and Vinny Apathy, all those guys, like the you know, super fucking nice. I mean, you know, Vinny Bain was a sweetheart, and shame he passed away. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, and, and Ronnie was he was the real deal, man. I, I would sit with him and talk with him. On tour, sometimes we'd be taking a ferry off somewhere. We'd just see him on the deck talking. So, I mean, I'm I'm thinking, yeah, holy shit. You know, he's a guy who's told us I was playing in a bar like a year ago, you know, doing my car band. And uh, it was uh, it was cool. And then, of course, later on, to jam with him. And he jammed Rainbow in the Dog and home to dive with him. And, you know, and the respect. And yeah, it was just, yeah, they were very cool, man. Yes, very cool people. Yeah. Um, when did you start to get a sense? Was there one thing you, you remember back on where, the business side of it was, you know, going to get in the way of the band moving forward. Was the one thing that happened that sticks, that comes to your mind? Oh, one thing that happened, that's hard to say because there was a lot, you know, there's a lot of people involved, you know, you had managers, agents, labels, you know, and then uh, I guess one thing, I guess when the whole issue of the name situation, as you know, Doral lost the the name for a short while, which is just fucking ridiculous. As you yeah. know. I think that could be one thing, I guess, that just started, you know, kind of, you know, the, you know, I guess the crack in the ice, maybe, or you know, which, which, which became the biggest headache for her more than anything. You know, I'd say that was that was definitely something. I guess there's the name issue. You know, and then you know at that point, you, when the name issue became a problem, then of course everyone started doing different things, lining up doing different stuff, and you know, just uh, and, and it is very much as you know, shit better than anybody. It's, it's a business. I mean, I do a lot of guitar clinics, and a lot of times I get asked questions. Hey, what's the best advice you can give me? I go, well. You know, definitely be real to what you're playing, enjoy the music, you know, and, and you know, and all that stuff. And, you know, work hard at your craft is redundant, but it's really the only only way to do it. If you're going to get into the major leagues, you got to, you know, got to go out there and, you know, hit the sandlot and play. I go, but make no mistake, it's a business. It is absolutely there. Are, there are people, when, once, once money starts getting involved, people start getting involved. And you really start seeing a lot of things. You go, what the fuck? Like, that's how you, you try to be a businessman. I mean, that's why, you know, I... You know, I'm always a businessman, even with my own side project, a band I have called NYC, my main band. Mm -hmm. I have my own, and, you know, I'm like I'm like the businessman of all that with all my endorsements and people I do and getting shows. But because you have to be. It isn't just like, you know, being in mom's basement and just jamming, you know, on a Saturday. Just, you want to take it to the road, It's there's a lot to do, and, you know, as you constantly hear from people. Yeah. Did you remember who sat you down and actually said, look, it's over? I can't, there's nothing can be done here. Was it Doro or was it the management? It was more of the management situation, you know, that kind of just, you know, once we hit the impasse or that, you know, and it just became like, you know, management situation. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot going on, so much, you know, and there was, you know, a lot of cooks in the kitchen, let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, and as, as you always hear sometimes, you know, it's always either the, the, the you know, indirect, you know, the, you know, the fans who suffer or the art that suffers. You know, when you put so much business in and so much money on the table, sometimes it's just like, you know, that's just where it goes. And that's part of the business. Like, you know, what are you going to do? Okay, here we are. We're, is that where we're at? Okay, that's where we're at. And that's it. Yeah. And, you know, hey, but but I always remain friends with Doro. You know, we never, it was never a bad word. You never saw me in the press going, fuck this, fuck none of that nonsense. I mean, even some years back when she played the whiskey in Los Angeles, I jumped up and jammed with her. And then her recent tour here when she came to America, I jumped up and jammed in Anaheim and 
and uh, Los Angeles again. She's got the nicest guys in the band. I mean, this, these guys, I mean, these guys couldn't be any nicer. It's ridiculous. They probably won't mow my lawn if I asked them. I mean, they're that fucking nice. Yeah. It's easy to get along, and they're top shelf. They're great musicians, great people. So, you know, there's no, no, there's no attitude at all. I mean, it's just like, it's like, it's, this to me, as I've said, you know, is like coming home because this is like yesterday to me. You know, I'm, I'm still the same to me and the chemistry of me and Doro is the same, like, you know, the way she gets excited about music and the way I feed off of her energy lies. That's the, that's the thing with me and her. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like lasers back and forth between a mirror. You know, she gets on, I get on, it's just, it's just, we always have that chemistry. Yeah. Well, you know, it, that's the proof. One of the, when you look at the band members she has now, like the likes of Nick has been in the band for like, what, over 20 years. She's, yeah, yeah, he's very, very, very lo- yeah. he's very, very loyal. You know, yeah, and, and you you look back on the band breaking up in what eighty eight, and that must have broken her heart to do that because it did. No, as she said in an interview, she never wanted it to go that way. And and like I said, you were that that was a turning point where you had the name issue, management situations, label situations. Like I said, if you put enough cooks in the kitchen, you're going to blow the kitchen up. And it's kind of because she is loyal by definition. She is a, a you know really true, but obviously that's where it comes into the which we making before. There is a business element. Yeah. And sometimes the business element will interfere with your core directive of wanting to be loyal or going, no, this guy is really right for the project, but but there's just too many things lining up in the other side of the room that just tell me I got to do this. Yeah. You know? She's never vindictive that way. She's never like, oh, I'm going to do that. She, she's very loyal and, you know, and she'll, she'll, she'll walk through fire with you. Just sometimes, you know. The business element just gets in the way. Shit, how many times you, how many times interviews you've done with that? I'm sure you heard. My God. Yeah, yeah. When um, when Doro asked you to do this tour, like, did you hope you'd be asked, or, or how did that? You know, actually, I, it came out of left field. I mean, I, I really didn't expect it at all. I mean, I you know, I mean, I, I was just telling uh, Luca and Nick on stage yesterday to look behind me. I looked over my shoulder, I go, the Warlock logo behind me again. 
on on the on the thing. I, it's so surreal, you know. I mean, I knew I knew the album, you know, the anniversary was coming up of the album. But and she called me and said, "Tommy, I have an idea. Would you would you be interested in playing some shows? We'll do Sweden Rock and this and that." And I said, "Absolutely," you know, because because as you know, the whole album had never been done in its entirety. Yeah. So, you know, we never played Warlock in the lineup I was in. We never played Make Time Love. We never played Kids to Death. The first time that was ever seen, which is actually on YouTube now, is at Sweet Rock. That's the first time that it was, and then Three Minute Warning and Cold Cold World hadn't been played. Maybe they did it one more tour after me, and then I think they just reintroduced Touch of Evil into their set just a couple of tours ago. It's that. Yeah. So, and then, you know, and of course, you know, I'm playing, you know, pretty much exactly the way I played on the record, so, you know, that anybody who's a fan of is getting to hear the wrist and the tattoo hooks I did. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, and I get to do a guitar solo live, and I go absolutely, you know, nuts for that, and that, that's a lot of fun, and the crowd's been nothing but, but great. So, yeah, she just called me. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it, you know, to be dead honest, but, uh, but now we've been working on I've written some songs, there's a lot of good stuff, there's more Warlock talk. I know we're already going to play Spain next year. She wants me to come play the Wacken show with her, even though I think that's the Doro show. She still wants me to come jam that, and then, I'm hearing other, I'm hearing a lot of good positive talk about some other stuff I can't really say just yet, but there's a lot of other, you know, things. Cause, you know, the Warlock name has a lot of respect and a lot of hype to it, hype in the positive sense, not hype in the bad. And for her to be able to, you know, actually go out there and push that, and of course, you know, bringing me back into it, you know, is, I guess, you know, the validation of the Sonics. Because, you know, if you like Triumph and Agony, then you definitely have to like my guitar playing. Yeah. You know, and of course, you know, Doug Doro, to say the least, you know. <laughs> So, because I, like I said, I just mirrored her voice on that, and that was the chemistry. Because look at the albums, look, you know, there's, there's no album in the catalog that sounds like that. Yeah, now t- tell me all about the rehearsals for the tour. Did it, did, was it pretty quick to nail the songs and with the band? Or? Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I, I was, a lot of the songs came right back to me. I knew the solos. I mean, I, you know, just listened to them a few times, and, and, you know, even some of the songs that we played, like, you know, when I was in Walt, we played True with Theo, we played Burning the Witches. So I already had these songs, you know, in my memory, you know. And I went to Germany, rehearsed three days, and, you know, next thing you know, we're Sweden Rock. Wow. You know, I mean, the great part is, I mean, you're doing with a high count. You know, Johnny D, the, you know, the fucking machine, and, you know, Nick knows all these songs. And, you know, Boss and Luca are great. And, and of course, Doro knows her set. So, you know, that, that's, the, that's the privilege of that, you know, that we, it isn't like, okay, we got to really work this out. And, holy, does anybody know what they're playing? Or where's an A chord? Or what the fuck, you know? <laughs> yeah. So... So luckily it was that and they, and these guys are super tight. So really I just merged into them and, and I guess somewhere in there I got the, you know, whatever my caliber musicianship just meshed with theirs. So it was great, you know, and like I said, I had jammed with them before. I jumped up and did East Meets West and Metal Tango. Yeah. You know, and so there's even videos of that somewhere on YouTube, which I think, I guess everything's on fucking YouTube. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> this will probably be on in a while. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so, so much fucking shit. But, uh, yeah, so yeah, it was, uh, it was great. We did the rehearsals and just, you know, boom, went out and rocked it. Yeah. Do you remember, were there any songs that you did in those sessions for Triumph and Agony that never got released? Hmm. No, I don't think there was. To my knowledge, every song we did was started, you know, because basically, there's no song got left behind. No. There, there are no, not that I'm aware of. I mean, I mean, I actually have the original demo tapes and stuff. I have to get sent and all that stuff. Like, oh, I have all that stuff. <laughs> what are you going to play them on? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I don't think there's any, uh, left behind tracks. I mean, they're, 
you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's possible maybe I demoed on something that didn't make it, but to my knowledge, I think, you know, pretty much once we started it, the vibe was there and it just, it just moved forward. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, the future looks bright then. It looks like you might be working more with Doro next year, which is fine. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've already, you know, written with her, you know, a song that's going to be on the new record and, you know, and there's already, you know, Warlock, the name is already booked for a big festival in Spain in August and Wacken's August. And, you know, she'll fill in that stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like this. It's like coming home and the energy and, you know, she's at the point where, you know, obviously now she got a lot of the cooks out of the kitchen that were burning the meal. So, you know, it's a lot easier, you know, now the name being back, you know, it's yeah. a lot easier. And her, and her manager is a great people too. I mean, that's another great thing dealing with her manager. They're really super cool. Yeah, you know. But I mean, she's got you. She's you know, she's got. She's always needed great people behind her, so she, so she has that. You know, hang on, my door's ringing here. Yeah, uh, one thing I, I when I saw her last year, the one thing I can attest is her voice still sounds great. She's lost nothing. Oh, she she sounds. Hang on, one second. Oh, you need, do, you need yeah, to go, do you need to get out of here, Tommy? I'm getting a little close, but I don't want to cut you off. I mean, I'll ask any more questions you got. But no, just, just give out, um, is there anywhere anyone can, anywhere can get holy on social media? Do you have any website or Twitter or want to give those out? Of myself personally, uh, Tommy Bowen, uh, Facebook is Tommy Bowen Official. Okay, okay. And Or just to go to TommyBowen.com, B-O-L-A-N, and you'll find, um, you'll find all links to the projects I'm in and that stuff and of course you know you know Doro's Facebook page has a lot of stuff lit up on me lately if you just google my name you'll find a bunch of ugly pictures of me excellent <laughs> excellent so do you have a favorite song from Triumph and Agony wow that's a tough one, that's I'll, a tough I'll, one. I'll tell you mine it's I Rule the Ruins ah yeah that's a great song yeah that that that's a, that's a I, I can go with that that's a great story yeah. I, I Rule the Ruins is, is an awesome song Okay. I guess uh, I Rule the Room is probably, yeah, that song definitely gets you going. I mean, that definitely was. Yeah, I, well, I Rule the Rooms and Cold, Cold World have always liked. Yeah, the second last song, that's a great track. Yeah, well, I, I'll leave you go. I know you got a, a plane to catch and you got one date left, so hopefully when you get back out our neck of the woods next year, I'll be able yeah, to go. Yeah, if you need any follow-up or, you know, any other questions or if you need to, 
is there any question you want to ask tweak, feel free to call my cell dude or just text me and because I'll be back in Los Angeles and I'll have a little more time if you need just to tweak anything or anything else that, you know, if there's a question you really have that you want to fine tune, just feel free to call me. Dude. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'll send you a text and I'll be in touch, Tommy. And thanks for talking to me today. No worries, man. Great talking to you, man. All right. Appreciate it. Yeah, take care of yourself. Take care. Okay? All right. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. What's that? You're curious about how Tommy Bowen sounds these days playing in front of Adoro and the rest of her band? Well, uh, how about we satisfy that curiosity right now? Thank you so much. you but i'm hoping that they've been making some great recordings of the triumph and agony tour i know that uh, doro and her team have been really great out the last couple years putting out some really good concert footage and stuff and hopefully they're going to do the same thing with this tour just be really good to have either a cd or a dvd just something to remember the uh, this tour and uh, also having tommy back on stage with those guys for even just a brief period of time be a very cool document of some classic metal history anyways hope you guys enjoyed this impromptu anniversary celebration of the 30th anniversary of Warlock's Triumph and Agony. Definitely one of those wonder-what-would-have-happened kind of moments in metal if that band had stayed all together intact as Warlock and kept on doing albums. You know, where would everything be today? Sure, that one has sparked lots of uh, metalhead barstool conversation. So big thanks to Tommy Bowen for coming on the show, talking to Richie uh, not once, but uh, even a follow-up phone call to give him some more anecdotes all about the recording of that album. And to bring him up to speed on uh, how the show at the Whiskey went, which incidentally, that live clip that you uh, just heard is from the Whiskey Show. So that is it for this week. Got some big plans in the works for next week's show, if all goes according to plan and right now it's clicking along pretty good we are going to be doing a doug aldrich super special i could call it a career retrospective but uh, this thing looks like it might actually span an entire two episodes so uh, that's why we're just calling it the super special got a lot of work ahead of us before that one is ready to launch but it's looking really good that next week and uh, then depending on how it all lays out the week after as well will be a nice career retrospective on Doug Aldrich. This guy's done tons of stuff, and I think that if you're not already a Doug Aldrich fan, that after you hear this, you probably will be. Or at least you're going to have a few moments of, crap, I didn't know that was Doug Aldrich on that song or Doug Aldrich on that album or 
Anyways, so that's what we're looking at potentially for next week. But uh, for this week, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. Again, big thanks to Tommy Bolin for coming on the show. And if you want to hook up with him on Facebook, that's Tommy Bolin Official. And that is a T-O-M-M-Y-B-O-L-A-N official. But uh, for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, just want to say have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.